Welcome to the Not Old Better Show. I'm Paul Vogelsang, and this is episode number 320. Certainly a difficult day for all people of faith. The subject of Theodore McCarrick, a former cardinal and archbishop of Washington, who's been stripped of all rights and obligations as a member of the Catholic clergy, is on everybody's mind today. This has been quite a topic in our home. In his capacity as Archbishop of Washington, both popes and presidents took advice from Theodore McCarrick. No more. Officially, Theodore McCarrick has been defrocked or laicized, a rare and severe penalty after allegations of sexual misconduct against the former cardinal were proved credible last summer. The defrocking is a tribunal process conducted by Vatican officials led by Pope Francis. The timeline is as follows. Last month, January 11th, a decree was issued finding McCarrick guilty of solicitation in the sacrament of confession and sins against the Sixth Commandment involving both minors and adults with the aggravating factor of the abuse of power. On February 13th, McCarrick appealed the finding, and on February 15th, the appeal was denied. Pope Francis himself signed off on the decision. That brings us current, and after all this, we're going to be speaking with Dr. Chad Pecknold. Dr. Pecknold is with the Catholic University of America and is chairman of the Academy of Catholic Theology. We'll be speaking with Dr. Pecknold to address some of these issues of faith, morality, and the various intersections thereof. This is a difficult subject, and right or wrong clergy, as representatives of God, are, of course, held to a higher standard, one that no one can be satisfied by condemnation of another least of all me. These are questions of responsibility, future of the church, and dignity. McCarrick committed crimes, and the church acted, um, perhaps not as quickly as some would like, but in church time, they acted very quickly, I think, to and reach a good judgment about the crimes that McCarrick had committed. He can't hold uh, even jobs in universities or hospitals that are associated with the Catholic Church. He is in no way a part of the Church's uh, ministerial life. He can't enjoy any of the privileges of being a, a prelate or a priest uh, within the Catholic Church. He doesn't enjoy even the support of retirement within the church. That, of course, is our guest today, Dr. Chad Pecknold, who has now taught at Catholic University for 10 years. I thank Dr. Pecknold for his time and for joining me today via internet phone. Dr. Chad Pecknold, welcome to the program. Thanks so much for having me on. I appreciate your time today. This is a busy day, certainly a lot going on. We're going to be talking about Theodore McCarrick and all the news that is surrounding the situation with the Catholic Church and, and Theodore McCarrick today. Of course, uh, the word expelled from the Catholic Church is a big word. What does that mean exactly? And and is that the same as being defrocked? And then I guess the kind of the follow-up question for you, and I'll, I'll load this up on you right, right here at the start. What are the areas of the Church and its privileges that, that McCarrick can no longer participate mm-hmm. in? Mm-hmm. Well, as as you know, um, he was uh, removed from the College of Cardinals, which is the highest uh, privilege that you can have in the church. The cardinals in the early church were those uh, 
men who uh, who kind of uh, had charge of protecting the Pope. And the Cardinalate grew up over the centuries so that the Cardinal became uh, a, a, instead of a servant of the Pope, the Cardinal kind of became an elector of Popes. Um, and so all the, the Popes have, are, are chosen by the Cardinals. And so that's now the most elevated office in the church and and pope francis removed him from the college of cardinals i think with the expectation that he was that there was a judicial process the church is governed by laws and um canon law cases can take years um not unlike civil law cases they can take two or three years sometimes for for a big case um which has serious charges it can take a long time so pope francis suspended the normal canonical process and he he allowed uh what's called an administrative penal process to occur which can be very expedited so the credible the credi- credible substantiated charges really didn't come forward uh until the summer um and be- before just before the uh, the Pennsylvania grand jury stuff came out, uh, the, the New York uh, filed the Archdiocese of New York filed charges um, with the Vatican, and the Vatican immediately took them up, and they immediately entered into this administrative penal process, and that's how they got uh, on January 11th. So it took a few months, but in in Catholic um, legal time, that is. Uh, like light speed, uh, January 11th, they arrived at the judgment that he was guilty of uh, many delicts, which are in the church, that's the word for crimes, many crimes, including um, uh, soliciting um, men in the sacrament of confession, which is one of the gravest violations, because there is not only committing a crime against the sixth commandment, but he's also committing a crime against the sacraments. And so that's, um, that's in there that he's committed these crimes against, um, with, against the sixth commandment, uh, which is against adultery, but all sexual sin, uh, with minors and with adults. And the penalty that the church, uh, gave and that Pope Francis signed without a possibility of appeal was a penalty that we call laicization, Hmm. which is an unfortunate term, really, because it just sounds like, oh, he's just being returned to the lay state. Um, But really what laicization means for a priest is because in Catholic theology, the priest, a priest can't, it's sort of like baptism. Once you're baptized, you're always baptized. Mm -hmm. You can stop believing the faith, but you're never going to cease to be a baptized person. It just makes an imprint on a person. And the same in Catholic theology, priesthood makes an imprint on a person. So, so much so that the church can't say you're no longer baptized. And the church can't say you're no longer imprinted with holy orders, with, um, with the priesthood. And so what the church does instead in these cases is they basically make you a failed priest. Um, and so laicization is taking away your right to exercise the power that Christ gave his apostles. Um, and so this also means that he loses all the privileges. He loses the privileges and rights of being housed by the church, of being fed by the church, of being cared for by the church. So it is actually a very serious penalty. Um, 
uh, some people had hoped that it would might also come with excommunication. Um, but that's a different uh, that's a different kind of case that has to be judged separately. In some of the research that that I've been doing of, of you and and uh, this issue, there are those that are saying that that where McCarrick is at this point may be worse than excommunication. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think. I mean, obviously, the the, the state of his soul is um, is known to God, and that's that's going. That's the judgment he should most fear. Um, um, but I, I do think, I mean, I do think ending 30 years of, you know, your service to the church, uh, put service in scare quotes, um, it, ending your life at 88 years old, uh, in shame with your, your name. Mm-hmm. I mean, in a sense, you could say he just is excommunicated in principle, even if the church decides not to make that judgment or confirm that judgment, he is in fact, whether or not it will be confirmed or not. Um, he, he really is not in communion with the church. He's shown no signs of penitence. He, he is going to be deprived. He is, uh, deprived of all the church's benefits, but he has accumulated, um, so many wealthy friends who have put, uh, money in trust for him to use. Hmm. Um, that I, I mean, in his final years, he, he probably won't want for anything materially. Um, but my gosh, what, what a, a failure, uh, a moral failure, um, uh, an ecclesial failure, a failure of a man, um, a, a shameful end to a, a life that was given for more. Certainly brings up you know, questions at this point of salvation and repentance, and you, you touch on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there there is a kind of scapegoating in which mm-hmm. everybody wants to pile on to get what's, mm-hmm. you know, everyone is angry and they're right to be angry, and no one is more right to be angry than the than the young men, and especially all the, the seminarians who he had, you know, um, groomed and... Uh, demanded favors from, and they have the most right to be angry. But at some point you have to say, well, um, this, this person, uh, has a greater judge than any of us. Uh, and the best thing for this person is to, uh, fall prostrate before his maker and and, uh, repent. And it seems to be, there's no indication that he is penitent. Um, which makes you think maybe maybe there was never a priest there. Maybe there was never a Christian there. Mm. Maybe there was never a man who believes and fears the just punishments of God. The other phrase that I've seen a bit, which seems perhaps to contradict what you're suggesting, and that is his maybe not wanting for anything, this idea that, in fact, he's going to be in this state of, of penance and seclusion. And that brings to mind almost a prison. Oh, right. Well, the, 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 indeed, he, his sentence before the laicization was for penance and seclusion. And, and that, that isn't really like, you know, there used to be ecclesial prisons. I don't know if, if listeners know this, but the church actually not only have, has always had laws, but the church used to have a, a comprehensive 
uh, prison system <laughs> for for priests who committed crimes um, and needed to be dealt with under canon law. Um, so, so, but so that we don't have prisons anymore. Um, we did used to use Catholics used to use monasteries as places where they would have wings that would have lockdown for uh, criminal uh, priests um, or clerics. And, um, and so there is a little bit of a hint of that in being in penance and seclusion, a kind of hint of a, of a, a reminder of an old tradition of, of being in, um, in a kind of ecclesiastical prison. But now that he's been laicized, um, he, I mean, the, the church can do that to a priest, but he's no longer, uh, he's no longer in the clerical state, as we say. So he, he's free to go do what he wants. Dr. Beckett, we really appreciate your time. This is uh, an important uh, day. It's a, it's a somber day, and, uh, and, and we know you're very busy. So last, last question for you today. Where, where does the church go, and importantly, where does Pope Francis go now in terms of healing? Yeah, I think this is the $64,000 question. Um, you know, we're, we're seeing, of course, these, the same crisis is now just erupted in the Baptist um, community, and we're seeing that this is the consequences of a uh, society that is uh, unhinged about sexual morality, and it's hit the Catholic Church very hard. And, and we need to we need to heal from it. My sense is that the abuse summit uh, that is going to be held in Rome is not going to do the healing. Uh, it's just coming up, and, and Pope Francis has already tried to lower expectations about it. My fear is that some see McCarrick, some in the Vatican even maybe, see McCarrick as a, as a kind of uh, you know, scapegoat in which we can just put, put it behind us because we've delivered a sentence on McCarrick. And I think that's a massive mistake. Um, I think I think treating the abuse uh, summit uh, lightly, uh, as as there seems to be some indications of, of that, is a mistake. I think there needs to be something in the Vatican at a at a general level, at a universal level, like what we saw in the United States after 2002, um, after the that the last round of scandals, which was the, actually the first time we were hearing about the the, the sexual crisis that hit the church in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, um, that produced in the church in the United States a series of new protocols, which actually had real effects at reducing and in some dioceses completely eliminating um, abuse cases. And so you can, uh, and this is, Baptists can do this, uh, schools can do this, you can actually institute protocols that keep kids safe, that keep um, uh, adults safe. Uh, but it, it, I currently am pessimistic about the Vatican's approach to this, and I want to be hopeful. I want to see uh, some concrete evidence that they're going to do something more than give us the cathartic cheer of, we got one in the care. We need more than that. We need concrete protocols that really protect everybody involved. Thank you, 
Dr. Pecknold, we really appreciate your time today. Of course, Dr. Chad Pecknold's been with us, chairman of the Academy of Catholic Theology and with the Catholic University of America. Thanks, Dr. Pecknold. Maybe we can have you back at some point uh, in the next couple of months as this uh, as this becomes more clear about what's happening and uh, we can follow up a little bit, but we appreciate your time today. Absolutely. My pleasure, Paul. Thanks so much. Thank you. Again, difficult subjects, and I'm grateful for Dr. Chad Pecknold for joining me today. I believe we must acknowledge the many clergy, and most are, genuine and devoted priests suffering from the unmitigated disgrace brought about by some. Do we now condemn the whole of any group where abuse has or may have or might occur? Let me know your thoughts at info at notold-better.com. Remember, let's talk about better. The Not Old Better Show. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>